I would like to play with some of the images in our meditation. And of course, uh, it's still on a conceptual level. But uh, that's, that's a way to start. Like, we, for example, we can use an image like the sky uh, to have a bit of um, starting to have an experience of the spacious nature of mind. So in the same way, we can use these images and you just see what happens. If it makes sense to you, maybe some of the images make more sense than others. And this meditation uh, rests on the recognition that all we experiences are appearance within mind and that these appearances are empty. They are unfindable. They don't have any substance. They vividly appear, like a dream vividly appears, but there is nothing in there. There is nothing findable in there. So all we have, actually, is empty appearances and consciousness. That's all we have. That's what this is. Empty appearances in consciousness. If we could now discuss uh, if there is something out there, we don't need to go there. Because even if there is something out there, uh, which some Buddhist schools also would say, there is something out there, still we wouldn't, we wouldn't know. We, we can't experience that. Because all we experience is empty appearances in mind. And empty appearances in mind does not devalue when uh, it's not nihilistic. A dream exists, and we can enjoy dreams, and it can scare us, but they are empty, but they still have effects, and we can still enjoy a sunset in the dream. That's not the value, the beauty, when we realize it's empty, it's unfindable. When we hear empty appearances, then for us it sounds, oh, that doesn't mean nothing, that means nothing exists, nothing matters. No, it's not like that. It's the opposite. Things become even more precious, more, more radiant, more, more uh, valuable, because they are empty appearances in mind. That's the only way our experience can exist. And this is not, it's not a belief or something, this is how it is. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you have to see it yourself. That all you have is appearances in mind. And they are unfindable. And how do you figure out that they are unfindable? You look. You, you, you look and you try to find something you can hold on to. Something which lasts. Something which is, uh, which is important. And you're not going to find it. This is from Lama Yeshe. It's another image. I want to uh, read it just before the meditation. We can compare positive states of mind to water at rest and deluded states of mind to turbulent boiling water. Maybe now you have a peaceful, kind of peaceful experience. So that would be mind at rest. And then you have some attack of the I'm not good enough self, so that's boiling water. If we investigate the nature of the boiling water, 
we will discover that, despite the turbulence, each individual droplet is still clear. The same is true of the mind. Whether it is calm or boiled into turbulences by the overwhelming complexity of dualistic views, its basic nature remains clear in consciousness. If we have boiling water, one approach is, okay, we have a problem here. We need to calm down the mind. That's a very common approach in the Buddhist teachings. Here, we, we see it doesn't matter if the water is still or it boils. It's still water. So we, we recognize the water quality, not the aggregate in which the water exists. Uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama uses the image of eyes in its book in his book on uh, on innermost awareness. So he he says that using again the example of the um, not a good enough self, the not a good enough self is a kind of frozen, frozen water, yeah, but it's still water. So we we see the nature of the thing, not the aggregates not the density, not the color, not the, not the stories. We see the nature uh, of the appearance. That's all. And, and what then? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's, then, then this parasite will bloop and then it will go. It's self-liberating, it's called. It's self-liberating. <laughs> or maybe a, a, the whole morning, yeah, but it will go, and you don't and you don't apply anything else. Rather, the only thing is is you see it as an empty appearance in your mind. That's all, and then you leave it alone. I mean, what else? I mean, because being an empty appearance of of water means also that's the wholeness we are seeking. That's the paradise we're seeking. We are seeking water. It doesn't matter if it's frozen or boiled. It's all water. So you, com- you completely relax. That's the end of any kind of self-improvement seminar. <laughs> <laughs> Then you shift from being a seeker into being an explorer. And that's beautiful. If the seeking drops and you become an explorer for the benefit of all, instead of seeking something you lack. So you, you go still to the self-development stuff. It's all bo- Why not? It's all boiling water. <laughs> yeah, so. It's a, you don't. You, it's you just go because that's what you do. Yeah? But you are not going there as a seeker. You go there as an explorer. Okay, so let's uh, play a bit with uh, different images. If you take a few moments to just check in, so you become aware of your show of the display, stabilizing a bit with the breath, mainly open awareness. So without going into any discussion now, uh, 
the assumption is that what you experience right now is an experience within consciousness, within mind, within awareness. So forget the brain for now. So this includes also you know, the sense of your body, the sense to be in this room, the sounds you hear, the feelings you have, the thoughts you have. All that is moving within consciousness and is in the nature of consciousness. What else could it be? There's no difference between the music and your thoughts. It's the same. It's happening in the same place. And then if you get carried away, that's not a problem, of course, because it's also a movement of consciousness. But to keep it a bit more easy, we gravitate towards the felt sense, the direct experiences. And this or the the moving mind, yeah? so the stream of thoughts, feelings, sensations, sounds. So all you have in this moment are empty appearances within consciousness. Empty meaning they don't have any substance. They vividly appear like a rainbow, but there's nothing graspable there. They are ungraspable. So now using the image of the ocean and the waves, so every movement, thoughts, feelings, sensations, pleasant and unpleasant, they are all um, a wave coming from this shoreless ocean of awareness, dancing a while and dissolving back into awareness, while being in the nature of awareness. So feel how it is, or experience how it is, if you don't differentiate. It's all the same taste. It's all movements of water. Rainbows.
gently soften. Just let it flow. If there's a particular dense experience, you could use the image of the eyes. So that is water. And if the experience is quite nervous or a lot of things happening, you can look at it as boiling water. Obviously, there's nothing to prefer there, or nothing to grasp at, or nothing to reject. It's all water. There's nothing you need to do. And if there's an experience coming to the foreground, it's recognized as a wave, and you look straightly at it. So the cognizing, the looking, and the movement is not two different things. It's the same thing. It's all the ocean manifesting in different waves. Boiling water, ice, it's all water, the water of life, the nectar. And then you're, within that, of course, you can stabilize yourself, you can call upon your gurus, but it's all water, it's all waves, it's all consciousness, empty appearances within consciousness. Memories of the past, fears of the future. I am not good enough. All empty appearances, movements of water. It's all what you're seeking. It's all wholeness.
So then let's try another image, and that's the sun and the sun rays. So the sun of love and wisdom. Every ex experience, so every thought, every feeling, every sound, every sensation, is recognized as light, as sun rays. Display of the sun. So not exactly the same like the sun, but also not different from it. So every thought, every sensation, every feeling is in the deepest nature love and wisdom. The radiance of love and wisdom. So non-manipulating, non-interfering, non-fixing, non-controlling. Yeah, um, I don't really understand uh, coming from this very non-conceptual base. And we often mention that it's in the nature of love. Um, mm. isn't it? And I, I just don't get it. Is it because to me that's so conceptual or judging or so I really like to understand it. What is that you're judging? You say this place is in the nature of love. Mm -hmm. How do you get to that conclusion? Um, maybe the love is not a good word here because when we uh, when we say love we have all kinds of ideas how it should feel or um, so it's, it might be more helpful to say it's empty this is empty it's unfindable it has no substance so why do you use this because you do it often in, in yeah. meditations. You um, say it's in the nature of Because life. the experience, when you recognize the emptiness of this moment, is the experience of complete openness, complete connection, complete uh, joy. So the experience of emptiness is not, or not, everything is meaningless, the experience is very different. So to kind of emphasize, to, to prevent uh, this fear some people might have when we talk about emptiness, that we talk about the bleak voidness. So then, uh, so then I then I use love not in the sense of heartfelt, uh, like heart, like love which is like warm in the heart or something. Uh, it's a different kind of. Uh, it's a different, it's an undescribable love. So forget the word. Yeah. Of course, it is, I mean, 
how to explain it. I, I, I can't. I, I just know that it is true. <laughs> and of course, it doesn't make sense, you know, because we live in a paranoia. You know, we feel it's like we feel that we're living in a predatory universe. And our whole culture is, is, is supporting us in that. So to say everything is love, it's like crazy, but that's how it is. Believe it, just trust me. <laughs> no, I, I, we have to take your word. Yeah, you have to. But it's also, you may, I mean, I'm, I'm not making this up if I, would not, if I would not have. I mean, this was my experience already as a child, as a teenager. But like it took like 25 years of listening to these wise guys saying the same, that I dared to say the same, something I already knew, but you know, I mean, you can't, you can't say it. Yeah? I mean, you say to a person, oh yeah, this is an expression of love. And of course, often I wouldn't do that because that's very unkind then to, to say to people. But that's what I would like to slowly guide people into, into the experience of that, not the acceptance of a belief. Yeah. Yes. I can accept the notion that we, none of us are experienced in the world as it is. It's all to a certain degree, it's a hallucination or a dream. But if a person with a proper psychosis, for example, would be here, mm -hmm. that person will not be here experiencing you giving a very nice lecture. That person might be mm -hmm. thinking somebody stabbed them or that you caught them. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So how do I distinguish? That kind of hallucination between. Yeah. Uh, we are all psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like so we, we are not, we are completely out of touch with reality. Uh, so that's a good start. Because then you don't make this, you know, this, like you don't create categories. Oh, this one is crazy, and we are not crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, actually, some of the psychotic people I met, they seem to be more in touch with reality with so-called normal people. <laughs> really. Uh, but then there's also... Uh, what, what seems to be a difference is that sometimes uh, people who you could call psychotic, they lost the capacity to walk in another person's shoes. So, so th they lost the kind of, uh, it's true, like if I now would get up and shit on the floor, yeah, you would be offended because of social norms. Yeah? I mean, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's not what we do, but, uh, you know, um, but because I, uh, I, I'm in tune with your hallucinations, I can adapt, adapt to it. Yeah? So I, I play the game. 
whereas a psychotic person sometimes seems to lose that capacity. It's, it, it's uh, yeah. So that could be maybe uh, distinguished. Distinguish. But then, of course, there's a gray zone because you know, I mean, if if a if a psychotic person feels that we are observed, oh yeah. <laughs> We should all think more like that. Yeah? Uh, but then, of course, uh, then if it becomes really like a kind of life which is just full of fear and terror, uh, then it might be better to gently lead that person into a more positive psycho psychosis, a more positive dream. And, and this, this is a complex topic, actually. And there's a, it's, I have been fascinated by that. I mean, I worked, that's what was one of the reasons I worked six, six years in a closed ward uh, in a mental hospital. And that was one of the reasons I was there. I was so fascinated. I'm, I, somehow I'm not afraid of crazy people. I'm fascinated. You know? I'm, I'm just like, and, um, and this is very fascinating also to look into What's the difference between religious experience and psychosis? Is there an overlap? And, and one can, I mean, there's books written about it. You know? It's like one of these open-ended questions to distinguish it. Uh, I mean, on a practical level, I, I think you, you get a bit of a sense of, of a, if a hallucination in a person Particularly if that person is suffering from that hallucination, or other people are suffering. But I have always like, I never have the feeling I need to convince that person of my psychosis. I'm right. There is no cameras here. <laughs> yeah. It's more also, it's, it's like, how does it make you feel? Mm. So, explore that question. It will take uh, 10 years. It's fascinating. So, any other question about... This is the best practice. So the parasite, I'm not good enough. Whee! Empty appearances. Empty appearance. What do I do with this? How can I get rid of this? Oh. It comes, it makes its display, is in itself divine, and dissolves back. And actually, if you do that, you, you see that these things, they are not, they are not long-lasting. You know, they, they seem to be long-lasting because we, we try to resist them, or we try to have another experience or we try to control them so that makes them lasting but if you see an experience for what it is and we 
experience it as fully as possible, then it comes in close. Yes. When you're working with this in the beginning, wouldn't it be normal? I sense that that it's you see it with a delay, like you get angry, yeah, and then you right. oh, and Com then you, yes. Sort of, yes. you need to get in, yeah. in time. Yes, it's yes. So in the beginning, uh, it's like uh, maybe in the aftermath or before when you see it's coming. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, and, and and there, there is still it's still it's good to have like provisional methods, so that not so much harm is created. And then try and get more in time to see it in real time. Yeah, and in real time, I mean to see it in real time. You you I think most of us we really need to meditate, mm -hmm. and like, you know maybe in retreat. So to like to really have uh, like a, a solid meditation practice where you where you really learn to look at your experience, mm. yeah. and then you start with like with you no know, with little things also. I mean, not with the most difficult, but with little things like with the breath with. With sound, with uh, with thoughts, with the feeling, pleasant or unpleasant. So you start with that, um, and then you also uh, increase your intellectual understanding of emptiness. That's also important, mm -hmm. because with the intellectual understanding of emptiness. Mm -hmm. now, so when I say now these are empty appearances, if you now would have, and some of you have. No, have received uh, uh, emptiness teachings, what they are and what they are not, and what is what is the object of refutation actually in emptiness, and how do things exist, how do they don't, don't exist. So when I say empty appearances, the best would be that all would be already in place. So, like, thoughts in, wouldn't arise, yeah, does it mean it does not exist? No, it doesn't. Of course not. Uh, yeah, but how do things then exist? Yeah, as dependent arising. Yeah, so what is depending arising? Yeah, All that has to be in place. And then if someone says empty appearances, boom. Then you know what it's meant with empty in this context. So that's uh, doing the intellectual homework, the philosophical homework, so that you that you uh, that you don't need to ma make a analytical analytical meditation of emptiness right then because you already have done that before, and then empty appearances and it's obvious. And and. In that moment, empty appearances, you don't fall into the trap of nihilism and you don't fall into the trap of realism because you already have a kind of good understanding of what is meant when I say empty. Yeah. 